Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Seattle to Unknown. I am Melinda. And I'm Sarah. And boy, do we have a good episode for you. I'm actually pretty excited about this one. Yeah, me too. I had fun researching it. See, we do research. Yeah, sometimes we're prepared. Um, No, this is my kind of episode. There's a little uh, doom and gloom and some um, what the hell. And some hijinks. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. Um, But before we get into the heart of this episode... Do you have a super fancy in-flight cocktail, Sarah? Uh, Super fancy, no. But am I ever one to do something super fancy? No. (laughs) What I have is a spritzero. Spritzero? I honestly have no idea how to pronounce this. All it says on it is pink grapefruit. But on the back, it says the sparkling drink made with Italian white wine, tangy pink grapefruit, and a touch of hibiscus. Best enjoyed ice cold. Guess what it's not? Ice cold. Ice cold. <laughs> oh, sweet. Jeez. I did refrigerate it, but it's only been in the fridge for like an hour, which isn't enough to get anything ice cold. Yeah, but grapefruit stuff, I feel like it needs to be refrigerated uh, for it to taste good. All we right, here see. we go. Moment of truth. It's good. Is it's it? It's a bit more white wine than grapefruit, but it's good. Okay. Um, I did what it, do you guys. Have? I found a canned cocktail. Oh. And this better be good because I had a. It, it only came in a four pack. I couldn't get one can. <laughs> don't worry, I'll take care of it over Christmas if you don't like them. Um. Yeah, sure. Let's pretend we'll be in date. I'm not really sure. I can't tell. I can't read it. Um. But no, I have. A rum and ginger from Three Sheets. To the wind? Yeah, you know, it's it's drinking jokes. I get it. I see what they did there. Dad jokes. Um, But it also says cut water spirits. So I don't know what that means. No, it's Three Sheets rum with natural ginger flavor. San Diego, California. What's up, San Diego? Wales Um, vagina. Yeah. So this is my first canned cocktail. I hope everyone got that reference. Otherwise, I just said whale's vagina and confused For no a lot of reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all I have to say is this better be better than the canned wine. Otherwise, I'm going to be pissed there's three more cans. God. Uh, um, do we need a drum roll? Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. That's kind of... <laughs> 7% alcohol. You've got me beat by two. Huh. That's not bad. Well... One and a half. Oh my god, you found something you enjoy. I mean, it's not, it's white rum, so it's not the best. But the fact that it's in like a pretty decent ginger ale, I can drink this. Maybe. Put it in your calendar. (laughs) Found first canned cocktail I can down without choking and dying. Like the wine. Next year on this date, I'm going to get an alert on my calendar that says, Melinda enjoyed something, anniversary, and I'll go, what the hell does this mean? It's like how Adrian and I have pasta day in our calendar, and every year we ask each other, do you remember why we're celebrating pasta day? Is this a thing we made up? And we have no answers. We just know that we text each other on pasta day. You know, why not? It's it's fun to have fun little anniversaries that mean nothing or anything. Well, I just love that it's something we celebrate without having any idea why. Like there's, there's like just no context. No, and it's just every year we text each other, go, "Hey, happy anniversary of that thing we did that we don't remember." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> actually, this isn't too shabby. Actually, it's got like a little bit of like the hot ginger. That, does that make sense? A little bit spicier. Yeah. Oops, burp. Sorry. Whoops. You know, I was just about to say that I've been like quietly withholding burps because I didn't want to do that on mic. But you were the first one of us to burp in an episode. It wasn't me. And that was like nothing either compared to what you do. I know. And I can feel it building up. And I am I apologize if I let it unleash, but only slightly because it's a natural bodily function. We're making milestones today, you guys. What's up? Um... <laughs> Do you have any any update going on? I do. And I will post a picture of this on our Instagram because I'm so, so excited about our new podcast mascot. Oh, yes. yes! Slash patron saint. Uh, patron saint, that's for sure. So where did you see this first? Because you sent me a picture and I immediately bought it. Um, It might have been at the box lunch store question mark question mark i don't know we were looking for funko pops because we were trying to buy a wayne gretzky one from um a rare 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 sighting of an fye in a mall 
oh shit (laughs) (laughs) i told you i did warn you i don't think you were even trying to hold that back either i couldn't there was too much carbonation to withhold to hold that back it just wasn't gonna happen so continue wayne gretzky funko pop (laughs) at an fye which um i'm pretty sure are gone for good reason, because they couldn't get their payment thing to be to work, and they tried it a whole bunch of times, and, you know, after a while, we're just like, forget it. We'll find it elsewhere. Like, we're done. <laughs> so then we were searching the rest of the mall for um, other Funko Pops, and we found Joey. Yes, so Melinda sent me a picture of a Joey Tribbiani from Friends Funko Pop, and it's from the episode called The One Where Everyone's Late. I'm fairly certain of that off the top of my head, which I was going to say, me. you didn't even look that up, did you? No, because it's the only episode of Friends that I know I've seen at least 20 times. Like at Christmas, a lot of families watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life or oh, no, The Christmas Story. I like no, I know. Story, though. But like we sit around and watch Friends reruns and I know I've seen this one many, many times to the point where my dad and I, oops, I hit my mic. My dad and I can both quote it from start to end. Yes. So if you are unfamiliar with that, there's a scene where Chandler steals Joey's seat and then Chandler says, fine, you can have the seat, but I'm keeping the cushions. And Joey says, the cushions are the essence of the seat. You can't steal the essence. So Joey runs off to his apartment and comes back wearing every single article of Chandler's clothing. Layered. On layers. Layered. And we have often thought of people who pack poorly for flights and have to wear all of their clothes in order to avoid baggage fees as pulling a Joey. So when Melinda sent me a picture of a Funko Pop of Joey wearing all of Chandler's clothing, we had to get him. And I think he's now our official podcast mascot slash patron saint. And I think we should kind of like have a Joey prayer, like something about deliver us from baggage fees. So we will work on that. And he is now officially part of our podcast setup. And I'll post a picture because he's so cute. Welcome, Joey Triviani, the master of layers. Look at me. I'm Chandler. Could I be wearing any more clothes? Yes. No lookup required for any of that information about this episode of Friends. Absolutely none. Do you want to know what happens to Phoebe in the episode? She gets the hummus. Does it fly? Joey and Chandler accidentally fight and fling some hummus on her dress. And then she decides that she'll cover it up with a Christmas bow and she calls it going political. Gosh. <laughs> I've seen this episode so many times. Truly, yeah. I can quote it from beginning to end. Oh, I, I so believe it. I believe it. I'm breezy. I've seen it a lot. <laughs> Oh boy. Okay. Um, yeah. And then for me, um, Mike and I recently did the big 24 hour relay for life that they do here close by to us. Um, yeah, this is our, it was a third year doing it. Relay for life is helping raise money for, um, fighting the end of cancer. So we got lucky. It was, you know, it's all outside. So we got good weather. It was actually pretty fun. Lots of walking, a little bit of sunburnage. Ooh, ow. Uh, just a little on the top of my nose, but I think it was the giant sunglasses I was borrowing from one of my friends that just like reflected it onto my nose bridge. <laughs> it just focused it? Yeah, pretty much. It was like only the top of my nose, but yeah, no, that was fun. It was for a good cause. Lots of walking outside, which was kind of nice too. Sounds so. like fun. It was. I'm, Aside I'm a fan from of it. the cancer part. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it gets a little sad with uh, they do a, a luminaries ceremony in the evening and it's it's sad, but it's all good because then it gets happy again. So yeah, it was it was fun. Cool. Do we have a news story that we want to jump into? I do. I actually found this this morning, um, kind of circling back to what we were talking to earlier about being responsible tourists and whatnot uh we talked about how venice was going to start um having fines it's uh tourist landing tax is what it was called and they started at the beginning of this month that it's um three euros so that's about 335 us dollars and it could raise up to six euros and um for, for most of the years, I'm guessing when there's more tourist possibilities, up to 10 euros, um, especially on overcrowding days. So residents mm-hmm. and visitors working or studying in the city will be exempt, but those that are literally just there to check out the sites and everything will be the ones that have to pay the landing fee. Mm-hmm. And then they're also talking about that there's going to be new re- regulations that specify that whoever dirties their public places, that they'll have... To pay an administration, administrative, what? 
administrative. administrative. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Sanctioned from 25 to 500 euros. Ooh. Yeah. And that's not only for the tourists, but that could be to shopkeepers who have to have like trash bins and recycling bins within 100 meters of the entrance of their establishment. So, so the 500 euros, that's got to be for like outdoor poopers, right? Or like if you're just waving your middle finger at them because they're like, you know, um, they'll probably shut you down too. Um, they're also trying to go by 2021 to um, ban, oops, I'm, I moved it, uh, single-use bags and containers. They have to all be biodegradable. And if shop owners violate these ordinances, that they could lose their license permanently and be shut down. Ow. So they're kind of not messing around. Um, you, There's a ban on swimming and bathing in the canals. Um, you can't eat in public places. Sitting or laying down on bridges, monuments, wearing bathing suits in publics. They're all no-nos. Ooh. I definitely ate in public there. But there's a lot of like street stuff that you can eat and walk with. Yeah. I think it's just like dirtying up the canal water. Yeah, the canals are pretty. Icky. I don't know why you'd want to swim in them to begin with. Yeah, especially when they're like, hey, this flood water coming in everywhere. It's it's kind of dirty. Like you should be having a... Uh, well, he's on. But yeah, um, Venice isn't really kidding around on everything. No, and they really shouldn't. Like, Mm-mm. it's a huge historical landmark and we take it for granted and it, it does get beat up with thousands and thousands of people passing through. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the, the tourist tax, that makes sense. It's, again, itty bitty. There's a lot of people and they're sinking, right? Sorry, had to burp. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. It's so, really carbonated. <laughs> mine too, but here we are. Uh, yeah, no, so that that doesn't bother me at all. And the fact that they're trying to take pride in their own city and make sure that it's not dirty and, you know, everything, it's it makes total sense to me. The tourists are just passing through. These people have to live there and deal with the ramifications of everyone passing through. It makes perfect sense to me that they're going to charge a little extra to keep their home safe. Yeah, no, so um, good for Venice for making taking a stand, trying to take pride in their city too, keeping it clean. So. Yep. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that goes out and um, whether or not it deters people from going in just because there's a landing tax. Yeah, I think it's one of those places that if you want to see it, a few extra euros is not going to stop you. Yeah, right. You know, it's it's not that bad. It's, you know, we're pretty equivalent to the euros for US, doll- US dollars. So, you know, 11 and a half bucks isn't that bad. No, if you're going to pay over 100 bucks to go to Disneyland, like you can handle... Eleven bucks to go into Venice. Yeah, it's it's way cheaper that way. So you know, we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. Uh, On a related topic, it was in the news yesterday that Banksy set up shop in St. Mark's Square. I think yesterday, possibly the day before. And um, if you've ever been to Venice, you'll know that there's lots of people selling paintings of Venice out on the streets. And they have to have licenses to do that. And he didn't, which is how he got caught and kicked out. But he set up a series of easels and arranged oil paintings that was a view from St. Mark's Square across the water to the islands. But you can't tell that the islands are on the other side because it's the view as seen when a cruise ship is passing by. So I think it was maybe six or eight different paintings lined up to show this image. And the cruise ship spanned the entire eight paintings. And in the foreground, you could see gondoliers like shaking their fists at him. Nice. And it's funny because it is exactly the view that I posted to our Instagram a couple weeks ago when I stood there and watched a massive cruise ship eclipse the islands to the exact maybe he remembered that day you were there together and just maybe didn't know it. go with me here maybe he follows us on instagram saw my <laughs> picture and was so inspired that he thought i have to paint this don't laugh yep. it's the f- truth no i already laughed it's it's too late for that no canon accepted it is fact okay um our biggest fan is banksy i'm totally okay with that <laughs> i mean what he did speaks volumes of, you know, what we were talking about anyways. It's just, good job, Banksy. This time. Sometimes he's a no. little sketchy, but stuff like this is pretty on point. I don't know. The stuff he did in LA with Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse, it was pretty funny. <laughs> did you see the story about the painting of his that sold at auction that shredded itself? What? No. He built a shredder into a painting that he was he was selling. It went to auction. He must have been in the room because the second that the auction ended, it started shredding itself. 
And so the person who bought it, I don't think it had the effect he intended that this person, this art would be completely destroyed and they'd be out all this money or the auction house would look really stupid. Instead, it only shredded itself halfway. Damn. And it instantly became exponentially more valuable because it was not only just a piece of art, but it was a like a news story it's living art you guys yeah i think they ended up canceling the auction and then re-auctioning it off now that it was more valuable but oh beautiful nice nice uh if you guys don't know who banksy is go research him on the internet he's pretty cool street artist i'm a big fan yeah even though like we ended up um what we found that was left in la when i visited after he was there uh we ended up in Oh, shoot. It's not Rompsa. That's out here. It was Scientology neighborhood. West Hollywood. Yeah. And they did not appreciating appreciate us stopping because all of a sudden you're seeing more people co- like coming out of like the woodworks. And all of a sudden you see a lot more people holding guns or like having their hand on their hip where there was a pistol. <laughs> and it's like, time to go. <laughs> We're not even here for you guys. We just wanted to see um, the stencil of the bulldog peeing on the building. Yeah, because who doesn't want to see a bulldog peeing on a building? Yeah. But yeah, that was that was a little creepy with the, the Scientology neighborhood that we ended up in. A little, a little bit. concerning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Venice, what's up? <laughs> Okay, so for this week, our topic is hotel, various accommodation horror stories. Like Sometimes you come across reviews when you're booking hotels and you think, oh, glad I dodged that bullet and didn't stay there. Well, uh, these are stories of people who did not dodge that bullet. And um, yeah, just evidence that you should read the reviews. Always read the <laughs> reviews. Do it. But please. Some things you also can't see coming. Um, but yeah, we would, since we're, uh, both kids that grew up in the height of the 90s and all the fantastic Nickelodeon shows, we would like to present this, uh, episode to you as a tale from, um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? Welcome to the Midnight Society. Yes. So, um, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, we call this first tale, The Tale of Grace and Kyle. Dun, Uh, dun, uh, dun. uh. Okay. So I actually work with Kyle at my store and him and his wife ended up going kind of on an opposite adventures of what my friend Ashley and I did. It did. They started in Iceland and then worked their way to Europe. We did the opposite, um, which was actually kind of funny because the day we were leaving Frankfurt for Iceland, they were leaving Iceland for Frankfurt. So we literally switched places and they stayed at the same hostel that we did in Frankfurt. Huh. So Coincidentally um, or? Yeah, not even planned. Didn't hmm. know until that happened. And I'm like, oh shit, uh, beware at the hostel because there was this old sea captain from the Cook Islands that was talking about like mob involvement places and like all this weird shit you know i go to the bathroom for like five seconds and i come out and he's talking to my friend ashley about all this weird shit and sailing okay so yeah that was uh the frankfurt hostel we were in it was kind of weird but um grace was telling me i asked for stories trying to get some uh firsthand experience from her friends about uh issues that they had with hostels or anything they didn't have problems with their hostels, but it was their Airbnbs that they had problems with. So she ended up writing, um, their first Airbnb, Airbnb was in Iceland. The directions to it weren't clear, and when they got in at 2 a.m. and they couldn't get a hold, hold of the host for clarification. Their instructions were just to uh, grab a key from inside of a window and let themselves in. Easy, right? <laughs> well, she found the key, she found the window, and she found a key. It looked kind of creepy and weird. Turns out she was getting into a stranger's place, but they weren't home. Oh, no. <laughs> and thankfully, the key didn't work. A neighbor saw us and shouted directions to us. So that was their first one in Iceland. She said, then there was our second Airbnb in Switzerland. The office for our key pickup wasn't open, and the address re- they received was off by about a mile. So they spent over an hour on the phone wandering around until they found the place. And then their third Airbnb that they had booked in Austria, she figured, you know, we've had this bad luck. We should just double check. And the host got back to them and told them it was no longer available. No advance warning whatsoever. (laughs) And they booked it months in advance. So they were on top of it. Yeah. So they had to do last minute scrambling to find a place to stay the day before they were supposed to arrive. So fortunately, they didn't get there yet. So they had some time. But, you know, instead of exploring where you were, you're trying to find a place to sleep. Oh, no. But they did everything right of booking advance. She had all um, their confirmation emails and everything. 
So, like, yeah, it just, it was one disaster after another. And she's like, yeah, don't know if they'll ever do Europe again. They just had a baby last year, too. Um, But they're not going to do Airbnbs ever again because it just did not work out for them whatsoever. No. Airbnb is just, there's so much more risk. Hotels don't just cancel on you, often at least. (laughs) But, like, a lot of it was just miscommunications and directions, but it's still frustrating because you're wandering around. Yeah. Just if you have to make international phone calls. But, like, the fact that they had one. I mean, what if they didn't double check before they left? That would have made things so much harder. Ugh. Just yeah. One, yeah. One thing after another for them on that one. It's like, dang. I'm sorry, you guys. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the tale of Grace and Kyle. What did they say at the end of the episode when they extinguished the flames? Is there a catchphrase at the end? Oh, look that up. I'll do that now. <laughs> you start yours. Okay, let me pull it up. One second. I got it, but it's got to be like the end end. Okay. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Society. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly these cocktails are working pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Here's a review of Hans Brinker Hostel in Amsterdam, a.k.a. the world's worst hostel. <laughs> That's literally, it's literally their name. Is that? Literally, they are the world's worst hostel. That is what they advertise. Oh, shit. Okay, I'm intrigued. Yeah. So this is a review that I pulled off of a website of a woman reviewing Hans Brinker in Amsterdam. It says, stayed here for two nights on a top deck tour. Entire hostel stank of certain substances. Naked people lying in the bar with other comatose people to welcome us when we first arrived. Door security was absolutely useless and meaningless. Have to show your key, but they open it anyway, but only after about 10 minutes of jumping around in front of reception. But once you're through the door, there's no restrictions. Dora has signs saying no hash, but people openly smoke and eating brownies everywhere. Breakfast not great, but free. No ladders on bunk beds. Crappy bathroom, which was completely dirty, towel, though towels were provided. Cleaners came in and didn't lock the door after they left, so all of our stuff for f- was free for the thieving. Half of our group and their belongings ruined by a stoned-slash-drunk guy with a fire hose who flooded the entire floor. No help from security or reception. We'll never stay here again. Won't even mention it in my trip journal. Disgusting. (laughs) It was so bad she decided to write it out of her own history like the Egyptians. (laughs) This never happened. We're just going to chisel your name out of existence. But yeah, this hostel openly advertises itself as the world's worst hostel. And yet people stay there. (laughs) Because they have to know is this the world's world's worst hostel? Well, according to a woman whose screen name is What Sheep Do, it is the worst. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I like that to get like to get let in, you have to jump around for 10 minutes in front of a uh, reception. What? No, no, no. It's only been 5 minutes. Keep jumping. Get that cardio in. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yikes. Yeah. I like, where did the drunk guy get a fire hose or is that a euphemism? Oh, and why were they not that concerned about the flooding? Yeah, I don't know. I saw you over there trying to pull out a dainty burp. Yeah. Are you ashamed that you can't one up my fantastic burp prowess? There's just no noise. It's just like pop. When you edit that, can you bring down the levels a little bit? (laughs) I'm sorry. Kind of. Uh, so yeah, if you're looking for an entertaining time in Amsterdam, apparently the world's worst hostel has some fun people watching, especially if you like naked people. Um, okay. Um, moving on, uh, fair warning. This is kind of a bummer story, I guess. Uh, but it's, it's really interesting. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. So submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. Uh, I call this one the tale of Eliza Lamb. No, Elisa. Elisa Lamb and the Cecil Cecil Hotel. Uh, This is the story about a girl called Elisa Lamb and she was 22. She was a Canadian student from the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, and she sent ended up staying at the Cecil Hotel that's in downtown Los Angeles. Um, She ended up being reported missing at the start of February 2013. And um, other guests at the hotel was complaining about uh, there was a foul 
taste and smell to the water from the showers and everything. And they were complaining about having low water pressure, that it was all weird and off. Uh, She ended up being found in one of the water tanks that's on top of the hotel on February 19th. Um, They're not sure entirely what the cause of death was. It didn't look like there was any foul play. It was just chalked up to to drowning. Um, But there's also... One of, like, her last known sightings was in an elevator in the hotel, and they have the security footage, but it's been edited. I guess there's, like, a whole minute that's been removed from it, and you can't really tell because the timestamp's kind of weird, but, like, she's in the elevator, and she's hitting, like, all the buttons, but the doors aren't closing to it, so she's kind of peeking out and, like, kind of moves in the corner like she's hiding from somebody or something, which is kind of weird, but, um... The CISO Hotel has actually been renamed because it was bought out. It's called the Stay on Main now. But the hotel actually has a long history of violence and crime. Uh-huh. Um, the hotel actually opened in 1927, and the decline started in about the 40s or so, with lots of reports of adulterous couples. There's a lot of suicides, and there's drugs. There's, like, a lot of different cases. Uh, the Cecil Hotel was actually reportedly one of the... Sh- Last place is that Elizabeth Short, who was also deemed the Black Dahlia from um, news reporters, it was reported that she was at that bar days before her death. There's also rumors that Richard Ramirez, also known as the Night Stalker, actually stayed at that hotel for a while and was a resident while he was on his monstrous spree. And then there was another copycat killer to the Night Stalker who stayed at the same hotel. I think after, after, I think he fled and ran away from his crimes, but they think that he might have stayed at the Cecil Hotel to pay homage to Richard Ramirez. So like this, yeah, this hotel in general has had a lot of like just bad things that have happened in it and whatnot. And then all of a sudden this girl ends up dead in the water tank that nobody figured out like it was 19 days she was reported missing at the beginning of the month and then she was found later on in the water tank and yeah her clothes and her belongings were like was next to it and some of it was in the water with her but because she'd been in there for so long they can't really see if there is you know there wasn't a whole lot of blood or anything but it doesn't look like anything happened to her just like the whole story was a drowning so like so confusing well not confusing just eerie it's just a lot of like what happened especially with the the elevator footage how it it went viral because people were sharing this and they're like you're missing like a whole minute of film from the security video in there that they just kind of like sneakily edited out or whoever did so but it's just kind of odd just watching her because she, she does look like she's hiding from someone in like the inside corner where all the buttons are of the ho- of the elevator and she like peeks out down the hallway and like looks around so it's like what was happening in the hallway she seemed concerned about something yeah oh yeah and it's just i don't know it's it's weird it's it's definitely an oddball one maybe someday there'll be answers of what happened for her family but yikes and the Hopefully. fact that the hotel ended up being bought out and changing its name, it's like maybe they're trying to get away from that bad image, but a lot of bad shit's happened there. Which actually, um, uh, it's kind of rumored that the American Horror Story season of Hotel kind of got an inspiration from the Cecil. Yeah, and a few years ago, there was a podcast that was kind of like a spooky horror, like a spooky horror style podcast that was like a serialized story. They also co-opted her story, but they specifically mentioned her by name in it, as if what happened to her was part of the overarching plot of their podcast. Oh, I did not feel okay about that. It seemed cruel to me to imply that this girl, who really had died in some sort of mysterious fashion, had something to do with their fictional podcast. Yeah. From the traveler's perspective, what's really unfortunate about this story is that there's literally no lesson you can learn from it because nobody has any idea what happened. So it's not as if you can see it and go, okay, well, I know for the future I need to do X, Y, and Z because how do you prevent something from happening if nobody has any idea what happened whatsoever? Stay away from elevators and water tanks. And creepy old Hollywood hotels. Yeah. Any hotel in LA seems like it'd probably be a little seedy anyways. Yeah. Well, and if a hotel is open long enough, it's bound to have a few people die in it. That's just inevitable. Yes, but it was it like natural causes. They were old. It happened. Or was it like a lot of there was a lot of purposeful deaths in this hotel, like yep. starting like shortly after it opened. It opened in like what? What did I say? 1927. The first reported suicide was in 1931. So, you know, it just it got off on a bad foot. Yeah. 
I don't think that there's such thing as places being haunted, but if anything in the world were to be haunted, it would be old creepy hotels. As I learned from <laughs> the Haunted Mansion, not the Haunted Mansion, the Tower of Terror. Uh, creepy old yeah, haunted Yeah, that's hotel. the right one. Yeah. But I don't know. It's it's one of those, I don't know. There's just so much mystery behind it. It's just, it's nuts. It's weird. And the fact that it kind of just got brushed off is really sad. Yeah, well, I think until they can come up with some other evidence, there's not a whole lot anybody can do about it. Mm-hmm. And because she was left in a water tank for so long, that doesn't help either. No. In a similar vein, I'm not going to do the whole Midnight Society spiel again. <laughs> I think two is my limit. Yeah. But if I were, this would be the story of Hotel Carter. So you just need the title. That's all. I, that's all you need. Yeah. In a similar vein... There is a hotel, or there was a hotel in New York called Hotel Carter that was opened in 1929, and it was rated consistently up until its closing as the worst hotel in America and the dirtiest hotel, which is, you know, a little sprinkling of bonus on top. So this hotel was plagued with problems from the very beginning, and it eventually closed down in 2000. Seven. Like downtown or like we renamed it and remodeled it? It has changed hands. I don't know that there's someone operating it at this moment. Okay. Um, so it, it this hotel has been known for all kinds of horrible things. Like it was <laughs> back when pornography was still considered illegal. There were multiple employees that were arrested for owning and purchasing pornography, which, I mean, granted, in the modern perspective, isn't that bad. But at the time, it was a pretty serious crime. It was a big deal. Yeah, there was court hearings against Mm -hmm. uh, the claws, right? That were some of the big photographers and filmers for uh, Betty Page. Yeah, exactly. Claw. Yeah, for mailing stuff. And in 1980, an employee who worked there was arrested after, quote unquote, scuffling with the police in a fourth floor room. He was charged with first degree murder, which sounds a little bit more than scuffling. Yeah. Second degree murder, possession of a weapon, and the shooting of a New York City Police Department officer. What? But that's just like- That's more than a scuffle. Yeah. We might define scuffling a little bit differently, you and I, Wikipedia. (laughs) Um, according to their Wikipedia page, at least nine deaths have occurred in the hotel, including four suicides and four murders. Yikes. The first one was in 1962. Author Willie, <laughs> Willie, William Lindsay Gresham, author of the noir novel Nightmare Alley, discovering he had cancer of the tongue, checked himself into the hotel, which was then known as the Dixie Hotel, committed suicide in room 2023 by taking an overdose of sleeping pills on september 14th 1962 damn yeah then george r sanders of brooklyn jumped from the 14th floor of the hotel oh i guess this isn't isn't in order but in 1931 his body crashed through the roof of a single story restaurant adjacent to the dixie he landed at the feet of two customers and the night manager he left a room in a note in his room identifying himself inciting mental depression as the reason. And in 1931, shortly after the hotel opened, Olga Kibrick, daughter of a wealthy Brockton, Massachusetts insurance executive, committed suicide by leaping from the roof of the hotel to a third floor extension on the west side of the building. Yikes. In her room, the police found a musical chorus card along with 15 cents in change, her glove, and her pocketbook. In 1932, like these are happening in quick succession. Yeah. The bodies of... The body of James M. Fairbanks, a former office manager of the brokerage firm Tucker, Anthony & Co., was discovered by hotel employees on the roof of a three-story extension. I'm going to guess it's the same one as the previous person. Uh, Fairbanks committed suicide to avoid being sentenced for embezzling $290,000 from his employers. He was staying in room 2002, the night before he had been sentenced for between five and ten years for his offense. Jeez. What year was that? nine years. That was 19... 32. 1941, a man from Wayne, Nebraska burned to death after falling asleep smoking on the 12th floor of the hotel. It gets creepier though. Like, burning to death because of cigarettes is not super uncommon. But 
The story made headlines when reporters discovered that shortly after his arrival, he received a letter from his father. Frederick S. Berry Jr. was warned by his parents of a premonition his mother had had of something dire happening to him. Berry was discovered by hotel employees seated in a chair with the clothing on his upper body burned completely. He had died after being taken to Roosevelt Hospital. But that letter from his parents is a little... That's a little creepy. That's major major creepy foreshadowing yep yikes in 1987 a woman was thrown to her death out of the window from one of the top floors after witnesses heard her arguing from room 1604 i'm pretty sure uh the cecil and the carter are probably big inspirations to the season of hotel from american horror story yeah i could see some of that um in july 1999 a clerk who lived at the hotel fatally stabbed and beat a co-worker during a brawl near the front desk holy shit and then on august 31st 2007 a housekeeper found the body of christine i'm not certain what this last name is so i'm gonna butcher it yitref wrapped in plastic garbage bags and hidden under a bed in room 608 sex offender clarence dean was charged with homicide christine as miss chris was formerly a member of the goth rock group the nuns she had turned to prostitution to sex work at the time of her death to support a drug addiction sorry i was reading that from wikipedia yeah yikes And then the hotel was shut down ultimately seven years later because it should have. That was only, what, 2014 that it got shut down, though? Mm Mm-hmm. They should have shut that down, like, way earlier. Yeah. So when I was looking this up, I went on to hotel review sites and I found pictures from inside the hotel. And one of the things inside of every room, right as you enter, is a sign that says guests have 10 minutes to check out with... If they want a full refund, anything after that, you'll be charged for a full night. The hotel knows it's so gross and so awful that they're like, no, really, you get just 10 minutes. I imagine them with a stopwatch at the front desk. Like, nope, 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Too bad. So is it 10 minutes from like the desk to your room Mm -hmm. back to the desk? Yep. Yikes. Oh, that's that's bad. That's so bad. If you Google it, you'll see some pretty gross photos from inside this hotel. Like Nothing completely outrageous but definitely not clean and from the number of fights and murders that seem to have happened in it i'd say it's probably not the best place yeah can't speak with any authority because i was never there but you know i've got a good hunch yikes yeah um hotels do your research find out its history oh it says here uh there there were over 500 negative reviews for the website not just negative reviews but specifically very negative reviews the bedbug registry has listed many reports over several years citing former visitors' experiences with the hotel, everything from mice and cockroaches to bed bug attacks. In 2011, TripAdvisor.com had Hotel Carded listed as number four on their top 10 of America's dirtiest hotels based on reviews and ratings. The hotel was also mentioned in the USA Today in USA Today in relation to winning the title as Dirtiest Hotel in 2009. Yikes. Damn, yeah. New York. Of course, it's like two big major cities. I'm going to guess that this hotel was might have been in like the heart of everything in New York. Oh, yeah. It's right on Times Square. Yeah. So this is why whenever somebody asks me, where should I stay when I go to New York? I always say anywhere but Times Square. Yeah. Don't do it. Because I mean, if you're constantly rated as being one of like the dirtiest hotels, I'm going to guess that it's probably the most affordable option for that mm-hmm. location. Yeah. So that would be the whole draw of why people keep ending up there. Uh, well, when I was researching this, I had stayed in New York right on Times Square in 2017. And I was reading this review going, oh my God, is this the hotel we stayed in? It was really gross too. Who <laughs> was it? It turns out, no, no I they were really closed. thought it would be. Exactly. Oh. But they were within a couple blocks of each other, just uh, like down the length of Times Square. I was like, oh man, what a story that would have been if I could have said, and I've stayed there. Ooh. <laughs> I... I don't know about that one. That's pretty, that's pretty gnarly. Yikes. Oh, and this story comes courtesy of my coworker, Corinna. She's, I asked some people, can you tell me hostel stories? And she goes, I don't have hostel stories, but I stayed at this super sketchy place in New York once. And she pulled up, she screen capped the Google resorts, resorts, results. She got to New York, checked in, looked around this hellhole and went, oh, oh no. So she Googled it and she had many thousands of results all talking about how horrendous this place was. And 
all the various crimes that took place. Right. And she still stayed there. Oh, God. I mean, it's one thing if they've had, like, a history of, like, crimes and whatnot in, like, the early 1900s. But if it's still <laughs> continuing on and it's also dirty, run away. Just run away. Yeah. No hotel that puts up a sign that says you're on the clock if you want to get out of here has any faith in their facilities. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. But I do love that even reading the reviews, there's always someone who has to look on the bright side who's like, I read the reviews, but I booked it anyway. And you know what? I didn't die. (laughs) Like, oh, that's not a particularly ringing endorsement. If that's the nicest thing you can say about your say about your stay that's not much of anything yeah they're not setting the bar high no no um my last travel story i found on reddit and it's it's a lot happier it's definitely (laughs) not a lot happier um this is the tale of the drunk hotel guy so this one starts out they say that uh it's a hotel story uh they were in southern thailand and it had like a hostel a hostel like theme there hostel like time there Oh, their experience in the hotel was like something you should expect at a hostel instead of a hotel. Um, It was one of the nice newer hotels that we stayed at. We had been conned into getting it by mistake when we actually preferred cheap hotels. That's another story, apparently. Uh, One night, my companion and I were in bed reading when our door, which we had evidently left unlocked, was open. We brought our own padlocks when we stayed in hostels where we were always careful. But in this big, nice, empty hotel, we'd gone soft. The intruder was a drunk white guy, probably in his late 20s. Nodding courteously to us, he crosses the room, opens the window, sticks his head out, and regards the parking lot. Then he puts his his finger over his lips, crosses back to the door, carefully turns the lock on the handle, and closes it, locking himself out. We just watched (laughs) him with our mouths open the whole time. He had... Had he seemed a threat, I'm sure we would have jumped up, but my intuition told me to just watch and enjoy. I went to the peephole, and the dude was wandering the halls, trying various doors. He finally finds what I presumed to be his room, but perhaps wasn't. He emerges from the room almost immediately, wearing only a towel around his waist. He then proceeds to go around trying all the doors again. He tries our door, but he has locked it, of course. At one point, his towel falls off. At another point, he entered a closet (laughs) and emerged with a bottle of water and a bunch of mini shampoos, which he spilled all over the floor, again, dropping his towel. I think he went back to his room and then came out and tried the doors a third time before he finally went to bed. The whole time he had, the whole time he had confused, almost eager looks, eager sort of look on his face, as if all the rooms were filled with his friends who had been waiting up for him. Wow. But I like that he like just opens, like comes in, opens the windows for them, shushes them, locks himself out. And just leaves. <laughs> it's, just, just, don't don't worry, I'm locking the door. And then just like tries more doors. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, it's it's good that he wasn't a threat. He was just drunk and just I don't know, just harmless. I don't know. I mean, I, delightful drunks are always fun. Yeah, I I like that story, and I wanted to use that one because it was one of those like, wait, what the hell is going on? But it turns out like everything's okay. It's just just a happy drunk trying doors, trying to find his friends. Loses his clothes apparently. <laughs> Who needs clothes? But he he did them a solid by locking the door for them. They didn't know it was locked. <laughs> so good job, drunk white guy. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I guess the moral of that one is uh, make sure you lock your doors. Yeah, do that, please. And you know, if somebody stumbles into your room, use good judgment of whether or not this is going to pan out to be hilarious or maybe you should be more alert. <laughs> hey. That's that's my happy hostel story of what the fuck? Happy hostel. That sounds like a oxymoron. Mm-hmm. It kind of is in either context. So I have a story. Actually, I actually have two, but I think I'll save one of them. One of these is a story from my friend Bryn. I've known her, holy shit, 16 years now. Gross. I know, right? Which is all my life, I wish. Anyway, so she messaged me the other day with a story about when she was at a hostel in Istanbul. So she messaged me, so I was in Istanbul and my roommate didn't have a toothbrush. In the common room for breakfast, she mentioned it and a guy said he had a spare. Oh, I'm trying not to question that too much. It doesn't really factor into the rest of the story. It just feels weird. So, uh, 
So we went to his room and got to talking. He was from Montreal. This was not too long before I moved there. We ended up hanging out for a few days and becoming friends on Facebook. When I got back to Seattle, I was going through pics of my boyfriend who I met slash lived in Montreal. I think she means who I met in Montreal slash he lived in Montreal. So I got to this big group picture of a volleyball game and my boyfriend and this guy from the hostel were in the picture together. What? Turns out they had a mutual friend. Cute. It's a small world. It's a very small world. And then to meet somebody with a mutual connection in a whole nother country far away from home. Yeah. And Bryn isn't from Montreal either. So it's an American meeting a random guy from Montreal, which happens to be the city she will move to in the future. She doesn't know it at this point. Yeah. How and fun. she happened he happens to already know the boyfriend she's going to move to Montreal to be with. That's crazy. Yeah. That is some next level momming. But the toothbrush thing, like, ooh, still. I don't ooh. Yeah. No, I know. When she typed that out, I was like, I'm almost too afraid to know what you're Where going to say next. Where does this go? <laughs> yeah. So it is a very small world and not all accommodations are super scary. Sometimes you'll meet someone with a weird spare toothbrush. Or you'll meet an old sea captain from the Cook Islands that's going to tell you about mobsters and whatnot. (laughs) Yeah, She also sent me another story about the first time she ever got drunk with some random tourists in Iceland, which is fun times, but... I liked the story about meeting the random guy who knew her boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know. Getting drunk with tourists in Island, Iceland sounds like an interesting st- tale. Yeah. Well, getting drunk with anyone anywhere is bound to be a good story. Not necessarily. Yeah. I beg to differ. Anything is an adventure if you frame it right. I Yeah. Misadventures instead of something. I can't remember what I said. Good talk. <laughs> what did I say? Misadventures <laughs> sounded better because it sounded like, you know, it, it ends better. Oh, shoot. Go back in the episode. Somebody tell me. I'm old. Oh. <laughs> um, should we do a tip of the week? Yes. What if I said no? That's fine. <laughs> do you not have a tip of the week? I think I do. It's not very solid. It's not a good one. I'm not going to lie. But you can go first. Dazzle good, me. Because I, I think I'm going to steal yours away from you already. Oh, crap. My tip of the week is lock things. That means if you're in a hostel, bring a lock for your locker. If you're in a hotel, lock the door behind you. Use the the um the flippy thing that you flip over the the flippy thing. Yeah, the flippy thing that you like. Not the dead. Oh my god, I'm so tired. Not the deadbolt, but the thing you flip over that keeps the door from opening all the way. The chain. It's not always a flippy thing. Let's just call it a chain because that's so much easier to describe. Sarah will post pictures in the Instagram to describe so you have a visual of what the flippy thing is shut up (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i would like to point out it is 11 p.m here i am very sleepy my bedtime is at 10 uh are you good on your tip with the flippy thing yes it should be pretty self-explanatory lock up your valuables you include your valuables you are included in your valuables there you go uh my tip of the week is read reviews look at the pictures of hotels of hostels of airbnbs see what people are saying before you get there you know see if there's been a history of them being canceled on right before you get there um see if there's reviews of how dirty the place is if it's ranked top 10 of dirtiest hotels anywhere just read reviews look at pictures try and use good judgment yeah and to piggyback on that to supplement my close the flippy thing tip when you read the reviews also see if the hotel or the airbnb or whatever has responded and see how they respond because if you see what seems like a fairly reasonable complaint and they're replying, trying to completely disregard what the person said or wave it away, that doesn't bode well for the event of you having a complaint as well. Because it was not uncommon when I was looking for reviews to see people responding with things like, well, you were given the access code, so it's not our fault that you waited 10 minutes at reception. Well, you should probably just open the door. Yeah, yeah. read read reviews, read comments, everything like that. It helps. Um, Not everybody can get lucky and have a drunk guy lock your door for you. Although that is a service they should provide. (laughs) Drunk guy (laughs) door lock turn down service. <laughs> I'm not certain I would trust a drunk guy to do turn down service. I feel like they just climb into bed. <laughs> oh, oh, it looks so cozy. Here I go. Lock the door for like themselves. I also provide cuddle services. Good night. <laughs> 
Uh, we should not go into the hotel business for this turn down service. No, I feel like we'd be shut down immediately. <laughs> one and done. One and done. <laughs> so we got to make that one cost a lot to make it worth our while. Oh, it's like the, the million dollar app. Exactly. Yeah. Where it just pulses and says you are rich. Yeah. I don't know what the benefit of this would really be, but okay, we'll figure it out. I mean... The app didn't have any benefits, so why does the drunk guy have to have any benefit? Because the drunk guy won't remember to tell you that you are rich after locking the door. <laughs> He's going to be you are like- You clearly rich. You just spent money on having a drunk guy climb into bed. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's not the same effect. No, this might not be our most successful idea. Probably not. Probably not. Um, but yeah, is that it for us today? I think so. Okay. Um, should we use our, our magical Are You Afraid of the Dark line? Go for it. Dramatic pause. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Until next time, pleasant dreams, everyone. <laughs> but for realsies, don't forget, it's an adventure. And sometimes when you stay in a bad hotel, you get a really fun story later. Sometimes you get murdered, though. Yeah, don't get murdered. Just have the adventure. Yeah, have the fun all the way up to the end of the adventure and then cut it off before murder. Yeah, I like that. Be like, no, 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 I'm done. (laughs) No, 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 you can't murder me. I said I'm done. I hired the drunk man. (laughs) I did not hire the murderer. I hired drunk man cuddles, not the stabbing. And also, you did not drop your towel nearly enough. (laughs) I need a refund. (laughs) There was no mini <laughs> bottles of shampoo spilled. Uh, you did not poke into our closet. Um, excuse me, sir. I wanted to be entertained tonight. The end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't forget, it's an adventure. Are we going to loop back to what I just said? No, and no, no. Keep and looping? hopefully we'll see you <laughs> next week. Or you'll listen to us next week. It'll be slightly less murdery, probably. Yeah, we got to balance these out. But uh, yeah. okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to another episode of Seattle to Unknown. Don't forget to tell your friends about us and subscribe so you never miss a thing. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest under c to unknown That's S-E-A-T-O unknown. Or you can check us out on our website, www.c2unknown.com. Want to know what we do on our off time? You can find both Sarah and I on Twitter and Instagram. Sarah is at S-A-R underscore S, and I'm at HooliganMonster on both. We would also love to hear from you. Send us an email with your stories and travel tips to c2unknown at gmail.com. Until then, it's an adventure. Bye!